Hello and welcome to the Fishcast. We are the first and foremost, only, the best and the worst Fishman's podcast in the world. And we're back once again during the uh, the pandemic. This time we are not social distancing. We are together in the same apartment. I think I'm going to die. I think he has the coronavirus. I and think I, I have the coronavirus. Less than a apart from him. I feel fine. I've been listening to Fishman's. I've been feeling better. It's not, not many people know this, but the actual cure for the coronavirus is a Fishman's. Yes. So, um, yeah. So we actually have some announcements and some news today. Some sort of extra things before we get into our review. So our first important announcement is that from now until the end of May, we'll be letting our listeners rank all of Fishman's early material in order to understand how everyone feels about certain songs and albums. So if you want your opinions to be counted, here's what you need to do. You need to send an email to fishmanspodcast at gmail.com with the following two lists. So the first one, we're going to be ranking the early Fishman's albums. So by early albums, we're talking about Chappie Don't Cry, Kingmaster George, Neo Yankees Holiday, Orange, The Corduroy's Mood EP, and the O Mountain Live album. We'll actually be reviewing that in our next episode. So if you haven't heard all six of these albums, feel free to just rank the ones that you have heard. But yeah, just like rank them in numerical order. And then the second list that you can email to us is your top 10 early Fishman songs. So for this list, you can include any Fishman song which was released or recorded uh, from the band's founding until the end of 1995. I think Night Cruising was also released in 1995, but that doesn't count because we're saving that for the second half of their discography. But yeah, you can rate any bootlegs, b-sides, or rarities, even if we haven't talked about them on the show. Really anything from their founding until 95. And for both of these lists, it should go without saying, but we're going sort of like bottom to top ranking. That is, whatever you have at number one should be your highest rank going down. And yeah, so just email that to us and we'll be going over these on our next episode. The reason why we're having you email them to us instead of just doing like a Google form is because instead of ranking by popularity, we're actually gonna be adding weight depending on like what spot on the list you put the song or album on. So hopefully that'll give us a more representative view of like what things people consider the best. And I have uh, one thing to say about this. Um, put Blue Summer at number one. Uh, hey, uh, <laughs> or not. <laughs> All right, which brings us to our news segment, AKA go. celebrities who are also Fishman's fans. So last episode, I think we talked about how Eric Andre is a notable Fishman's fan because he sampled one of their songs in his Blarf album. But between then and now, it has come to our attention that Grammy-winning producer Phineas, who is also the brother of pop star extraordinaire Billie Eilish, is aware of Fishman's. Just aware. We're not sure of his <laughs> actual opinions on the band, but... Just aware. Yeah, he had a recent interview with Anthony Fantano of The Needle Drop, and they were sort of talking about how the internet can sort of breathe uh, new life into older music. And Fantano asked Phineas if he was familiar with Fishman's, to which Phineas answered, yes. That was all he said. <laughs> that's it. So that's it was pretty it. cool though, because I mean, he's like a very celebrated musician. And this does sort of offer us the, there's a small chance that Billie Eilish listens to Fishman's. I think her favorite song would be Oasis. Her favorite song is probably Long Season, because she's fucking Billie Eilish. We, we love you, Billy. Like, if, if you're listening to this and you're a closeted Fishman's fan, we would love to have you on the show. You can bring your brother, you can talk to us about like your top tracks, how you got into the band. Yeah, so I think that's pretty sick. Also, we learned just today that uh, Rory from Dad Reacts, that YouTube channel that you may or may not be familiar with, his favorite song apparently is Long Season by Fishman's. So that's he's not cool. quite on the same celebrity level as Billie Eilish, but once again, Rory, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. 
We'd love to do a huge live episode featuring fucking Eric Andre, Billie Eilish, Rory, Anthony Fantano himself. This is what we're building to. So that's been our, our news segment. Now time for the weather. Uh, all right. <laughs> the album we're talking about today is Orange. Pretty good album. The fourth studio album by Fishman's. This is true. So some background on this album. 1994 was a very busy year for Fishman's. After the end of their Neo Yankees tour in 1993, they released their first maxi single, Go Go Around This World, in early 1994. A maxi single is sort of like... A just single a, that isn't a single. It's basically an EP. Somewhere between a single and an EP. Um, it's a big, a big single. They released a couple of these throughout their career. Yeah, so since these aren't EPs, we're not actually going to be doing whole reviews for them like we did for Corduroy's. We'll talk about these later on. But um, this EP, or maxi single, marked the final appearance of Kensuke Ojima, the band's guitarist. And following his departure, the band returned with yet another maxi single later that year titled Melody. These releases would both serve to foreshadow the funk rock sounds of Orange, and an alternate version of Melody actually appears on the album itself. So during that summer and spring, Fishman's traveled to London to begin work on a new album, which would be produced by Zach, their collaborator from New Yankees Holiday. At this point, Zach actually became the first producer to work on more than one Fishman's album, because up until this point, every album had had a different producer. Uh, I'm not really surprised that they work with him again, though, due to the success of Ikaretsa Baby and the fact that Neo Yankees had kind of been their most commercial success. It makes sense that they would want to reunite with him. Also, his name's Zach. That's and he seems cool. like a cool guy. Yeah. yeah. And the band also recruited uh, Sugar Yoshinaga, who's the guitarist from Buffalo Daughter, to fill in for Ojima during the album's recording. But ironically, Orange is also marked by the departure of yet another band member, since this is the band's final album featuring Hakase on keyboards. What a shame. Sad. Uh, and the album titled Orange was finally released in October of 1994. While being a bit shorter and perhaps more slight than previous albums, the band has called Orange their turning point in direction, and many fans regard it as the best album of their early period. I don't agree with that. <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> Alright, so that's the background on the album, not much. I did think it was interesting that the album was mostly recorded in London. I know that a lot of later Fishman's material was recorded in Hawaii, but I think this is their only album that was recorded in the UK. That's interesting. I wonder if they, like, did they meet the Queen? Did they meet Damon Albarn? Did they meet Queen? Was Freddie Mercury dead by this point? Maybe. <laughs> the album cover. There are actually two covers for Orange. The original is Orange. It features the band and a similar font that appeared on King Master George. It's also notable for actually listing the band members' names on the front in a similar style to a lot of older like jazz records that would say like so-and-so on sax, you know? Uh, I think it's really cool. It also features the Nice Choice sticker, which is a phrase that would actually become a song title on their next album. And the original vinyl version of the album featured different artwork. It was a blue Warhol-ish photo collage, sort of with four squares featuring the band members. But I, I prefer the version that we have on streaming services. Especially because it's orange. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the other one isn't orange. It's really cool. I think it fits the album vibe really well. It's not their most extravagant cover or detail, but it kind of just has the, the funky sort of aesthetic. And looking back, um, the orange the, uh, for the vinyl is blue. Yeah, that's why like, it's not as good. It's just kind of funny. Sorry. Yeah. How do you feel about the cover in relation to other Fishman's covers? Pretty good. It's pretty good. That's this it's, whole album. It's just like <laughs> I was gonna say, it's, it's, it's kind it's of like album. the album where I really like the cover. Um, it's the uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's all Chris that's has right. to say. It's <laughs> a really good. Uh, I like um, like Shinji in the front. He's like, what he's doing. He just looks like a cool guy. Yeah. It's kind of like almost slapped together in a way that a lot of the album is. Like, it feels a bit more effortless and like cool than oh, a lot okay. of other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I also like the shades that Hakusei. Oh, yeah. 
Cool. So, adjectives for this release, sort of describing it. Once again, we sort of generated some random letters, and we're going to look for adjectives with those. Do you want to start? <laughs> I will start. Cool, so what letter did you get? I got the letter U, and let it be known, U kind of sucks. And not a lot of adjectives. <laughs> like, there's a lot of adjectives, and they all start with U-N. So, two of three of my adjectives start with UN, starting with UNPROGRESSIVE, which is just progressive, but it's not. Explain. I disagree. Really? Yeah. I think... Mm, it's kind of progressive. Well, how are we defining progressive? That's, okay, if we're talking... <laughs> Politically like, or sonically? No, I think they're definitely conservative, but um, musically, I don't know. It is, at least compared to even something like Kingmaster George and all their albums afterwards, it doesn't feel as progressive, both like within the songs and like within their career, like what they're doing. Like it's it, kind of safe, you're saying? It's a bit safe. Okay. But not in the way that Chappie's safe. Like, this is, this is them attempting a new style, but um, not really <laughs> excelling at it. Yeah, I would, I would sort of disagree, because I think, like, I mean, I won't get into this with my adjectives, but I think this is definitely a transitional album, it whereas is. once you listen to their next few releases, especially Kuchu, and sort of their, their dream popular stuff, you can see how this was sort of the bridge between, the, like, Neo-Yankees and that. So I do think that this sort of goes forward, but at the same time, there are some tracks that kind of regress back to their earlier sound. So I, I agree with that. It's sort of like two steps forward, one you have step to, back. You have to give me a break because you is a terrible <laughs> letter. Um, this is my second one. I don't really have too much to say about these other two. Uh, I have Undetermined because, I don't know. Believe me, I really like this album. <laughs> <laughs> it's lazy? No, not more just like I'm never determined to listen to it. It's also kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I, my last adjective is useless. Oh, Chris, I <laughs> thought you liked this album. It's a perfect album. Why is it useless? Christian. <laughs> All right, my album, uh, my, my adjectives are a little bit more positive. Positive, even though I think I like the album less than Chris. You like it a lot less. <laughs> so I got the letter M, which has many more adjectives. So my first adjective was maximal. I think despite being produced by Zach, this album sounds totally different from Neo Yankees and really anything else that he would produce for the band. It's super busy and it's mixed to be like very loud. And I'm not sure how much of this is due to like Sugar's presence on guitar being sort of a different um, member, but it's really the only time that the band is making straight up rock music on a lot of tracks. And the production is a bit overloaded and cluttered due to all of the colors being played with. Sometimes it's just a bit more aggressive than sort of the soft sounds that Fishmans are usually playing with. And then my second adjective I kind of uh, wrote tradition I chose two because I couldn't decide. I did mercurial and messy, meaning that the album is sort of unpredictable and inconsistent, like Chris is saying. Um, just like Neo Yankees, Orange has some of my absolute favorite and least favorite Fishman's tracks on it. It somehow both streamlines like their music and it's all over the place. So I think, like I was saying earlier, some songs push the band into new musical territory while others seem to harken back to like the simple reggae sounds and dub stuff that they were already playing with on earlier releases. So compared to the earlier works, I really feel like Orange is less of a cohesive album and more of just a loose collection of okay, jams. Good tracks. Good tracks, yeah. Even Kingmaster George was like so inconsistent and weird that it became consistent in its like absurdity. But Orange is much less purposefully strange. It's just like a band playing some songs. <laughs> there you go. And my final adjective was moving, not emotionally. Oh. <laughs> Physically. <laughs> it's funky, it's grooving, it's alive. It feels like the most robust Fishman's album, I think. If only I got the letter R, I would be robust. <laughs> robust. And it also represents the man moving into a new phase of their career. Oh, that's stupid. Uh, 
<laughs> so, yeah, I think we sort of agree, though, that this is almost like a, I mean, not, not to compare everything to Gorillaz, as I'm prone to do, but for fans of that band, you might be familiar with their 2018 album, The Now Now, <laughs> which is widely regarded as, like, a pretty good album, but it's kind of, like, unremarkable, and it's just full of, like... Unremarkable? Good... Good songs. <laughs> Why didn't I use that one? <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what Orange is. I don't think when we think of an important album in their discography, anyone really thinks of Orange. But it's definitely full of some jams. Good for them. Do you want to get into the jams? Let's get into the jams. All right. Track number one, <laughs> Intro. greatest song of all that's time. That's what I put too. <laughs> In my notes I put, damn, is this the best Fisherman's track? <laughs> no, no, it's not just the best fish, Fisherman's track. It's just the greatest song that's ever been made by anybody. It's definitely one of the best songs called Intro. Mm, yeah, I think so. And there's a lot of those. We kind of just have some real funky guitar and this really cool bass line and then uh, it's just stops. It's just Kibu, but like without everything else. It's an intro to the album. It is an intro to the album. Actually, it's, not, it's barely an intro to the album. It's just an intro to Keeper, yeah. which feels like. An I intro think this to is cool because this is really the only Fishman's album that has like an intro track. I mean, like aside from the live albums that have O <laughs> oh, <laughs> But yeah, no, I like it, and it sort of establishes just the loose, like jam-based vibes of the album. Yeah, it's the best thing humans have ever There's done. Nothing else to say about it. It's like how many seconds long? Like Twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. Okay, yeah. Now the second track is Kiboon or Feeling. This one opens with this really cool chanted melody. It kind of reminded me of Running Man in the same way that it feels a bit like lighthearted and it's super catchy and warm. This is true. Um... This was uh, the first track from the song that I really got into, like even before Melody. Like after I listened to the album for the first time, I don't know, I didn't really have anything to say about it, but I remember Kibun being really good. So that's cool. Yeah, that's everything is super groovy and a bit looser. Uh, the recording on this one is almost kind of lo-fi. Would you agree? I think that goes for most of the album, and I don't know why, because it's not Zach producing. Yeah, like, that's everything feels so strange. claustrophobic, like when that synth comes in, like in the chorus. It's kind of just, um, what's the word? It's kind of like buried in everything else because everything is so it's very like, muddy center. Yeah. It's very muddy. There's no like stereo imaging at all. Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect track though. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think Sugar's guitar is really the highlight of this track and I think it's cool that, um, you know, they're bringing in someone who isn't a member of the band to sort of be it's like a session musician, but he's clearly bringing a lot of his own kind of flavor. Like he has a really like garagey kind of sound in his guitar that you never really got with um, Ojima and it creates a really unique tone. And Shinji also sounds great here. I like when he goes like, <laughs> um, Some of his vocal inflections are just really wild. But yeah, like you said, the production and mixing on this track is kind of annoying. I think this is the only track on the album where the production kind of bothers me. But it doesn't really impact my enjoyment too much, but there are some like really high pitches near the end of the track that kind of grate on my ears. <laughs> Who mixed this? Who mixed this, Zach? Or did he just produce it? Oh god, I feel like you mixed it, right? Maybe no one mixed it. <laughs> it was an unmixed album. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, 
grooving track, very rocking. Great way to start the album. Definitely one of their catchiest tracks, yeah. And this is my second favorite on the album, despite my technical problems with it. Uh, I'm just... I don't know, it's up there. <laughs> it's up there? <laughs> Anything else about that one? Okay. Pretty good just track. Kind of a jam. Yeah, it's a jam. <laughs> All right, which brings us to track number three, Wasurei Chao Hitotoki, or A Moment to Forget. So the guitar riff that opens this track, it sounds exactly like the opening of Total Football by Parquet Quartz. That's all we have to say about the track. That's all we have to say about the track. It's equally a grooving song and cool and you should go check it out, but it's sort of like that dun 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 dun. And the first time I heard this song, I was already familiar with the Parquet Quartz track and I was like, this sounds like something. And it's that feeling that you get when you're like trying to place a song that it sounds like. And I think I thought about it for like a whole week. And I looked through like every song in my library and I couldn't find what it sounded like. And then I finally stumbled upon it and I was like, yes! Okay, that's it. <laughs> and then the synth comes in. The synths yeah. in the song are so cool. I was... one, yeah, like this one's cool because it is grooving. It is the verses are really nice. Yeah, like the whole song, it doesn't feel like it's sort of chorus-centric. It's just very like... Vibe-centric. Vibe-centric. I was gonna say, in terms of the synth, I like how Neo Yankees which was sort of the last album that Ojima was on, had a lot of these really like guitar highlighting tracks, like Walk In, where he's given like a whole solo. Yeah. And it sort of worked out because he left after that. And I feel like Orange does the same for Hakase. Like, I'm not sure if they knew that he was gonna leave the band, but this is definitely like the most synth-heavy Fishman's album up to this point, which is really cool that he has a lot of stuff to do. Um, yeah, the song is equally like jamming and melancholic. Like, it has me tapping my head, but also sort of thinking being sad reflecting i really appreciate the line um no fun in the funny face oh fun in the funny face Let's yeah i tried to decipher that what is he trying to say um it's having fun it's shinji have you seen his face it's pretty funny, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah i was also gonna say like you were sort of talking about the synth in the verses that comes in it's sort of like duets with shinji yeah and i like it's also very like a juicy sounding synth like, I think this album, despite being, like, very over, like, complicated and busy, every sound that's going on is really interesting. Ooh, who produced this? <laughs> Good job, man. So, yeah, we get fun in the funny face, and then feeling nice is another English lyric. And also, there's a lyric here, Zutomai, which is actually translating yeah, to long ago, and appears as the title of the opening track on the next Fisher's album. Much and the line it appears in in this track translates to a forest of trees that I saw long ago looks like a B movie. Is that what he says? Yeah, as in a B movie, like a, like a shitty movie. Oh, like the B movie. Okay. <laughs> Jerry that makes, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> I thought that was a cool line though. Um, and this track sort of maintains the rougher jam band aesthetic of Kibun, but I feel like this one is produced a bit more clearly. And I think it's, it's because it, I think it's because it's less rocking. Yeah, yeah, like he, like keeping the entire way uh, was kind of jamming out this one. Takes some moments to not jam out. That's true. The guitar here is more used for sort of like the rhythm rather than like a big garagey time. This is my favorite track on the album. It's one of my favorite Fishman songs of all time. It's also the fourth most popular Fishman's track on Spotify, which is weird. <laughs> Who decided this? Who's it, listening to this song? <laughs> I think that's actually kind of cool though, because it wasn't a single. I mean, if I recall the other three 
are um, Night Cruising, Baby Blue, and Long Season, which, oh, makes, which sense makes sense because they're very popular tracks, but this one isn't really one that I think of when I think of most popular Fishman's tracks, but it only has a few thousand streams less than Long Season. So I guess that means, like, I know that the reason why Baby Blue is really popular is because it appeared in a lot of people's playlists that Spotify generated, so I'm not sure if this also appeared in this playlist, or maybe people just really like it. That'll be cool. I guess this is something that we'll find out next episode after we get all of your uh, votes in for the best tracks. Watch as no one votes for it. No one votes for it. <laughs> then I'll be like, who is listening to this on Spotify? It was just... It's insane. <laughs> They're all from me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's the track. The fourth track on the album is My Life. not as rockin' at all. <laughs> and I will say though, the production on this is significantly better than the other one. Yeah, that's true. This is, it's more like of an acoustic jam, yeah. so I think there's sort of less room for kind of like obnoxious guitar tones. Wait, can I say something? Yeah. Shibuya K. Oh, Shibuya K. I was gonna say that the little acoustic keyboard jam that begins this track sounds like Mario Kart music. You're right. You know, that's like if you just looped right? it for like an hour, you could be racing to it. And then once uh, Shinji comes in, it kind of just sounds like an anime ending theme. <laughs> in a good way. I really like the chorus of this song. Uh, I don't know, it's just know. a... <laughs> mm, I don't know, I really like the song. I just don't have anything to say about it. I do like how unique it sounds. Like I wrote that it is interesting to see Fishman's go in a more acoustic direction because they're normally not doing that. Yeah, it's one of the few tracks that I would definitively call, like, even beyond Shibuya K, it's more focused on music guitars. Yeah, but I think the songwriting kind of is a bit lackluster. <laughs> it's in this awkward spot for me where, like, the rhythm isn't rocking enough to be, like, a jam, but it's also not slow enough to be, like, pleasant. So it kind of just exists, and that's why it sounds like Mario Kart music. Mario Kart music's really good, though. It's, it's, yeah, like, it's music you could loop, and it's, like, background music, and you could listen to it for hours on end and, like, never get bored. It doesn't grab me, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, it just makes me feel good, especially after the, um, the first two like actual tracks. It's a nice change of pace. And it doesn't sound like anything else on the album, but it still sounds like it belongs on the album, which is nice. Yeah. Unless you disagree. I don't, I don't know. I think this is where the album starts to lose its step a little bit, because I think like the first two tracks are so, um, they're so cohesive and they so have this like new sound for the band that's like more rockin' and funk-based. And then this track, it's definitely not anything that the band has done before, but it's just different enough that after this point we start to sort of slip down into mediocrity. I would think, like, uh, there's a couple tracks that kind of sound like this from before. Like, I don't know. Um, Maybe some stuff on Cordero is honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that acoustic should be again. It's a song. I enjoy it. It's not in my favorite tracks, but I really like this you song. You want to know a song that I don't really enjoy, Chris? That would be Melody, the fifth track on Orange. Are we already five tracks in? All right, Melody. Right. The bass is so loud. 
And it's so good. No. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I know this is an unpopular opinion. So, Melody, as one of the tracks that appears on 98, the live album, I know a lot of people really like it, but there are multiple versions of this track. And for me, comparing like the live version on 98, the single version that came out before Orange, and the actual version on Orange, this one is the weakest. Because I think it, the production is like kind of way too muddy. I think this is it's... the worst produced song on the album. <laughs> And Melody and Cuban to me are kind of like, they're songs that are kind of the same thing. Okay. They're like both in like production, they're both like the funkiest songs on the album, and they're both kind of like the best songs in the album. Uh, I think uh, so despite being like the most, poorly, the most poorly produced. Yeah. I guess the, it's, it's the actual melody of Melody, ironically, that falls flat for me. Like it's not very catchy compared to something like Kibun that had such a strong melodic hook. I mean, like, what is it? Explain to me why you like this song. I wanna, I wanna like it more. Actually, I'm not gonna be able to convince you. Because you know what I have to say about it? What? It's pretty funky. It's pretty good, yeah. It's funky. I like the guitar solo, and I like the um, the piano stuff that's going on near the end of the track. The outro, yeah, yeah. the end of the track is especially, I'm gonna use this word again, it's especially funky. Yeah. It's really just Shinji and, like, the melody that I don't really like that much. And also it has the fucking organ sound from Neo Yankees. It comes back. The baseball organ. But it sounds really good in this track. You have to believe. Uh, I thought we were done with it. No. Uh, you were the one that said we were done. Uh, I, I don't I don't enjoy this song. I, I do like the original single version a bit more because it's I mean the melody is still what it is. But um, I just think it's mixed better and it has a bit more and of course the live version on 98 I really love. But Which is a much different version. But this, I don't know, this sort of stops the album dead in its tracks for me. By the time I reach this point, I'm just like... So is this like your second least favorite track then? Yeah. This is my second least favorite track on the album. I know what your first one is. <laughs> it <laughs> like, is... Wait, no. Do you have more to talk about Melody? Um... Come on, Rockers. Melody. Oh yeah, when I listened to the song the first time, I thought he was saying like, Locusts. Uh, he's but saying he's saying rockers. rockers. <laughs> so to me, I've never looked at the translated lyrics. So this the song is obviously about like feeling good and listening to music, which is how I feel when I listen to melody because it's just it, it's so infectious. It makes me think about songs that I like more than melody. All right, what's the next? <laughs> the next song is my least favorite song on the album and most people's least favorite song. I would assume, Kairi Michi or Way Home. There are some really cool bells that open this track and some like distant distorted vocals from Shinji and it's very haunting and you sort of come in and you're like, ooh, what is this going to be? And then it becomes a boring dub reggae track. I think people in reference to Fishman's need to stop saying dub. <laughs> reggae track. It's, this is literally like Chappie part two. Like this is what we were talking about earlier on, when we say on. that. Let's not insult Chappie. The, this is so much worse. Yeah, but I'm saying that like part of a band is like a moving forward, you know? <laughs> and a lot of this album was moving forward, but then here, it's like they're going back to something that they've done before and they've already done it better. And it's not like I don't want them to implement like reggae sounds into the music, because they do it later on and it works. It's just, it sounds like, um, not a B-side to Chappie. What's worse than a B-side? A C-side. Sounds like a C-side to Chappie. <laughs> no, but I get what you're saying. Like, there's a difference between incorporating reggae elements into something new and just making like a reggae song. I think what bothers me about this track is, um, oh, oh yeah, it's boring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, the, the bass is boring, 
what Shinji's doing is boring, and there isn't a whole lot going on to tell me that this track isn't boring. Yeah, it I, kind of goes up, and he's like, "Kairi Michina," and. I kind of, yeah, I think I was looking for one element of the song that I like. Because, I mean, it is a song. And there's a really cool, another, like, liquidy synth that comes in and gives the track a bit of a unique flavor, and it definitely sounds like an orange melodic element. But that's really it. And, like, this is also where the record's cohesiveness starts to fall apart for me, because it sounds totally different from the vibe established in the first few tracks. And just in tone, too, because Orange is such a light, breezy album up until this point. And, and this, this song kind is kind of, just, of dark, but not even, like... It's not dark, it's just boring. Just plotting, yeah. Plotting is a good word. Uh, well, I wanted to say something. Um, oh yeah, if it, if the song were faster, it'd be better. I think if they if they turn it into a ska song, not even that fast. <laughs> it just feels too slow. It's just me. That's a yeah. Pick. I don't know. That's my thing, and I think like this is where this album being so short relative to the earlier stuff kind of benefits. Because I, I remember when we talked about New Yankees Holiday, that album is so long that there's a point where after a few of those similar sort of reggae-ish tracks, I just got over it. The good thing with this album is that- um, like the only one. This is like really the only one. I mean, well, there's sort of one later, but the good thing is there's only nine tracks and one of them is the intro. So this is really only like an eight track album. So that's why I'm a bit more willing to forgive it than some of the stuff on Neo Yankees because this song happens, you can skip it. I think it's a shame because I know they can make really good like reggae ballads, uh, but then they just decided not to for this one. Yeah, it's disappointing. It's truly one of the band's most inessential songs. I think, honestly, um, this might be... Your least favorite? On the album? Track? Oh, or like overall. Um, yeah. One really? Of, and it's Damn. not my least favorite. Okay. But it... Um, okay. <laughs> I would put it pretty low. I'm sorry. That's, I despite, would too, yeah. Yeah, despite me thinking this is a perfect album, it's an imperfect album because it has this song on it. Shout out to albums that we call perfect, but they still have a song that we don't like on them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shinji. But songs that we do like, one of them comes up next. It's Kansha Odoroki, which translates to Thanks, Surprised. This is the greatest song ever made. It's so good. Like, and also, it's perfect placement in the album, putting it after the weakest track. The worst Fishman song. You get the best Fishman <laughs> song. It's such a huge difference. This song definitely returns to the sort of like orange funk sound that was established with the first few tracks on the album. It's definitely in that same lane. It's There's more progressive. More progressive. There's a really cool bass and guitar line, and yeah, it propels forward in a really unique way. Yeah. Uh, I like the way that the song like kind of fades in with that. Like, oh, here's another cool thing. It starts off with like this sample drum loop for like the first verse in the chorus, and there's a bit of a breakdown. And then the like the real drums come in. Yes, and it feels ah, so powerful. Yeah, and just the, the guitar here is very like very speedy and very sort of like it brings the energy back to the there's album. There's so much energy in this track, but it, it, it's it's so. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's so good. The chorus is life affirming and perfect and gorgeous. Uh, and the baseball organ comes back, but I can't complain. Sort of like how it appeared on Walkin' on the last album, but like it's just so cheesy and glorious that... I don't even think on this track it's cheesy. I think it fits the sound palette like, perfectly. Everything on the song is... That's true. I think the good thing with this album is that when the baseball organ shows up, the mix of this album is so muddy that it kind of like fades into it a bit more. <laughs> Whereas on Neo Yankees, the album was so cleanly produced that every time the organ came in, 
Also, I think you just meshing. I, I think just meshing that organ with the more like psychedelic trip hop vibes just doesn't work as well as because I you hear organs a lot like over pockets. So like it makes more sense here. Here, yeah, more rock centric album. It's a very earnest sound. It's just like it's sweet. Um, and Shinji's vocals during the outro sound <laughs> transcendent. He gets like he sounds like a woman, and it's amazing and beautiful. Man, that's when the second chorus hits. Ooh, that's. Mm. This is my number three this on the album. This is my number one. I know, it's one of your favorite Fishman songs, is it not? It's my favorite Fishman song. Damn. But don't spoil this too early. We're gonna like go over our favorite tracks. I was just joking. It's not his favorite Fishman song. So it's very good. And I really do think that like the core three songs of this album are Kibun, Masuri Chao, and Kasha Odoroki. They kind I... of like represent the Fishmans. I mean, there might be songs later on this album that people think are better than some of those. But those three songs definitely show like the vibe of Orange as a unique project. I would I would pretty much agree, except um, I'm fine with Wasser Joe, but I, I would say melody. I would say, yeah, that's true. I guess most people would prefer melody. But apparently not, because melody is not the fourth most I'm popular sorry. fishman's okay, track on okay. Whatever. <laughs> You're not wrong, I would just say I would personally include Wasser Joe. Alright. Pancha Odoroki. It's the best song ever made. Damn, this album is just like flying by. There's so few tracks. The eighth track perhaps has the best title of any Fishman song. It is Woofer Girl. Do you think Shinji is referring to like a subwoofer or is he a furry and he's singing about an actual dog? Uh, both. Okay. Like the dog has like a subwoofer system. Oh, that's cool. Why does the song sound like this? I don't know. I think this is, um, Perry Michi took that early reggae sound and did it horribly. This one took that sound and made it really good. It's better. It's a lot better. It's, it's more of a vibe. I like what everything, like, I like everything that's happening on this track more than Kairi Michi. It's not necessarily so much more exciting, but I think the sound palette's more interesting and it's melodically more engaging. This is true. It's definitely better. Um, I think it's sort of like very reverby and it sounds like very wide open. I think the sound, it, it sounds like the band is playing on the moon or underwater. It's so good. Gives it the spacey vibe. Also, the samples come in, but ooh! Ah, it's very cool, and we'll see this actually on the next album too, with the last track on that album. That's uh, a spoiler. Atsurashi Hito has very similar vocal samples, but I think this is actually really cool. It's sort of like a hip-hop-inspired move to include these samples, and they definitely give the track a bit more character. Yeah, see, I'm fine with reggae showing up in this album in this form. I just wish they kind of took it. Yeah, because like you said, this feels like their earlier sound, but they're progressing it and including new elements. Is this album actually progressive? It is. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Some more goofy synths in here. Um, but it's kind of boring. I don't know. Like, I don't think so. Like, even this, I mean, I think maybe if I had heard this album without hearing their later stuff, I would have liked it more. But I think, um, everything here, particularly this, sounds like something that the band would just do better later on in their career. That's fair. Yeah. It's still a really good song. So it's not a song that I'm gonna skip on the album, but if I'm sitting out and I'm like, let's listen to the Fishman's track, I don't know if I'm really gonna pull up Woofer Girl when, like, <laughs> they make Woofer Girl 2 later on and it's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's very relaxing though. Although I feel like at this point the album has really just kind of like lost 
a cohesive identity. Like what, I almost feel like there were two albums that the band made and one of them was sort of this like funk rock, very like garagey kind of album. And the other album was sort of like a more dubby focused album. And instead of making two different albums, they kind of just like took tracks from each and put them on the same album. There are really only two dub tracks, they're just never three. Well, the last track too is a bit like, it doesn't sound like the rest. I will say, oh, I'll say that for when we talk about the track. All right, but yeah, do, would you agree that like, I don't know, does Orange have a sound? Um, yeah, it's poorly produced and <laughs> with no sense of like, stereo imaging at all. It's very mono, over compressed, muddy, and... But it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, kind of like, chokes me. And I, I feel like I need to like, take a walk after this. Because whoever yeah. produced it just didn't give it enough, any, anything enough space. The first time I listened to this album, I kind of was like, oh. But that's what it sounds like. But the the last song is really good and perfect. It's Yoru no Omoi, or The Thought of the Night. This is a trip-hop song. This is a trip-hop song. Uh, it's also kind of, um, it's a Fishman song, too. What do you mean by that? <laughs> I really love the outro of this song. This is true, the More than outro. Like, the, it might be like my second favorite moment on the album, not to spoil not anything. Not to spoil anything. But, and I like the first half too, but I think what makes me love this track so much is like, the last half of it. Also the production here. This is definitely the most cleanly produced track on the album, probably because it doesn't feature as much like prominent guitar. Or much of anything. I think like for the most part, like the first half of the track is super minimal. It's got a bass. Yeah. It's really almost like a hip hop beat going on here. I know you mentioned that this song doesn't sound like any of the other tracks, but I think it's nice because it sounds close enough to the sound or to the sound of the rest of the album that it's cool, but it also sort of indicates like the next album. This is true. This is definitely the most indicative of Fishman's future direction. There's a moment here that's very like dream poppy, and there's also you know sort of the hip hop trip hop instrumentation. Um, you know those green like severed head characters in Spirited Away. Sure. Spirited Away. I, right? I saw it. Yeah. Once. Okay. <laughs> in Spirited Away, for those who don't know, uh, there's all kinds of different spirits who are characters. And there are these three sort of little men who are just heads and they're green and they like hop around and they make this noise that's like oi, oi, oi. and that happens in this song. You know that moment where the background vocals come in and it's like Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that what it makes uh, you think of? Yeah. That's what it makes me think of. Like I literally picture these little green heads bouncing around because like these background vocals come in and they're not entirely like on beat. Like they're kind of just like hopping around in the background. It's so nice. And I just picture these I just picture these green severed heads. That's beautiful. Shout out to them. Um so yeah, also I love the yeah the outro here and just the lyrics like hey baby. It feel oh it feels like something amazing is gonna happen and then the album ends. Yeah, I like also too. I mean it doesn't help the album's cohesion to have the album begin and end with both like some chanted vocals. Some vocals. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of a callback. Yeah, so I I really love the outro. It's definitely one of the high points on the album. It's it's cool. It kind of feels like a. It feels like a two-part song, but it also feels like just one song, because I feel like the first half and the second half are very different in mood, but it's very, uh, it's, a, it's a progressive track. Thankfully, this album ends on a high note, and it ends with the promise of something better, which would be the rest of <laughs> Fishman's discography. 
This is, I agree, but this is also a perfect album. So let's get into ranking stuff. All right, let's so what score would you give this album overall? <laughs> we already know, because <laughs> you've said it, it like 20 times. Believe it or not, this album uh, I, I would get a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I would disagree. I would <laughs> yeah. give it probably like an 8 out of 10. I think it's um, definitely better than Neo Yankees because I think that it has more consistent high points, but that also helps because it's just shorter. I think if Orange was longer, it might be worse than Neo Yankees. Just I don't know what tracks will be on it. Yeah. And I also kind of think that um, if you go back and look at the, the Melody Maxi single, there are some really cool tracks there that kind of fit in more with the vibe of the album. So when I listen to this album, I honestly have like a different track list where oh. I, I, yeah, like I swap out Woofer Girl and Karamichi for some of the songs on the Melody EP. Because oh, I just think that helps it make like a more cohesive feeling. But yeah, so That's 8 great. out of 10, 10 out of 10. It's definitely a good album. For a while, it was kind of, if I had other people in the car and I wanted to listen to Fishman's, I would put this album on. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know, I feel like not everyone's gonna be super into like super cheesy 90s trip hop and like reggae music. And I also don't know if they're gonna be super into, I don't know, funky, Fishman's from the 90s. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but this, this album feels the most... Um, I can play this around most people yeah. and get a decent reaction. I don't know if I would say it's the most accessible Fishman's album for like the average listener, but maybe for like your average modern day like indie listener. That exactly. I think mainly you're talking about our friend who is really into like MGMT and like foster the people like this is kind of the album that but you also play like for my her. parents but also like yeah if you're if you're more into like this kind of western funk rock this is definitely one of the more accessible fish would you say this is the most western of their albums oh i guess it is and i guess that reflects in the fact that they recorded it in london and it sort of sounds like a lot of indie music yeah because i know i don't know you can make the argument for their later albums which are more like Dream pop, but even then. I mean, I remember saying that Neo Yankees was their most American album because it featured like a, a, baseball, a baseball and also it's kind of just like pop. But that feels more American in like a stereotypical sense. Yeah, this one it's... I would just say maybe like British. I mean, I'm saying that not just because they recorded in London, but also, <laughs> I don't know, it just has that rugged sort of like rock vibe for a lot of it. Um, so, top tracks. My number three is Kancha Odoroki. Oh, man. Great track. My number two is Kibun. <laughs> Great track. My number one is Basura Chapito Toki. As I said earlier, I think those are just the three tracks, three quintessential orange songs. And I'm gonna keep listening to Basura Chow and getting it up there. Number one Fishman's track on Spotify at some point. Okay. What about you? Uh, number three, I think I'm gonna have to go with Melody. <sighs> I'm sorry, but <sighs> that was like the second track I really got into on this album because it, I don't know, the vibe is so infectious. Uh, number two, I have to give it to Kibun. All right. Well, let's uh, run this back a little bit. Number three is Yo Yo. Oh yeah. Get Melody out of here. No Melody. Yeah, it was it was a tough decision, but I made it really quickly. Um, not even just for the second half of Yo No Moi. Like I think the first half is. It's uh, uh, nice. Uh, number two is still gonna be Cuban. It's rocking. Uh, number one is Kancha Odoroki, just because it. It makes me feel alive. Kancha Odoroki, yeah. This it's whole album, yeah, just, it's, it's invigorating. Just, if I had E as an adjective, I would have said invigorating. Does, Bottom... that, does that start with an E? Oh, yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Uh, we're pop. now Googling whether invigorating starts with an E. It definitely does. It, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. <laughs> 
Oh, I knew it. Fuck. <laughs> it starts with an I. I, I didn't want to doubt you because you're like the word guy. But. Yeah, for context, I am currently a, uh, I mean, I just finished up my junior year in college and I am an English education <laughs> major. I'm going to become a high school English teacher and I didn't know how invigorating was spelled. Uh, I'm going to just like kill myself. Alright, so top moments. Let's oh, we didn't do our bottom track. I oh, mean, everyone, are, everyone it's already knows. It's Karamichi. It's, it's Call it a bottom because it's just like Chris. Um, top three moments on the album. Uh, my third moment is intro, which is also a song, but it's short enough that it's a moment. Okay. It's it's short. It sort of like gets you into the flow of the album. My second moment is ooh ah on your no or wait Woofer Girl. <laughs> See, Girl. I don't even know. I I never listen to this album on Woofer Girl. The ooh ah, it's very cool. It actually gives the, the track some flavor, some character. It makes it listenable. And my number one moment is that very juicy and liquidy synth that comes in during the verses of Wasuri Chow. It's, I love it. It feels very modern and sort of forward and indie, yeah. Nice. Okay, we got we got three moments coming here. I think my third favorite moment, I guess it's going to be those, you're going to be surprised here, it's the fucking, um, it is the chanted vocals at the end of Yoruno Moe. Oh, beautiful. I think earlier in the podcast I said it was my favorite moment. Um, I thought about it some lied. more. I thought about it some more, and I have two better moments. Um, I don't know. Very the moment when the album's over. I think we made that joke on the last podcast. Right, my second favorite moment is got to be when the uh, real drums like come through um, on Kansha Odoroki and everything just kind of explodes. The and real drums. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the there, it's very clearly a drum sample in like the first half of the song. But then you hear Motoki does the, the drum fill, oh. and then it kind of... Music was better when they played real instruments. Alright, and I think my top moment, get ready, intro. It's intro? Oh, <laughs> intro. you also had that as a moment? Oh, it's so cool. Oh. I love intro. Yeah, no, because I feel like it deserves a shout out, and no one's really going to have it in their like top three songs. I know, be cool if someone we, will. We poll everyone, and yeah, if you send us in your top songs and intro is one of them, like, we'll shout you out on the show. Like... We'll, we'll give you money. We'll give you money. Like, tell, like, or really anything. If you have any, like, real wacky songs in there, don't just do it because, like, we told you to. But, like, that would that would just be neat. Like, it's just, like, nine bootlegs and intro. Oh, <laughs> You're I a god. You yeah. we're, we're just, like, lame fake fans. I like your moments. I love intro. It's so good. So, yeah, overall, I think this is a very good album. Um, I don't think it's perfect. And I don't think it's... A cohesive album, but I, I love some of these songs, and I do I'm I'm glad that it exists. It's a breath of fresh air. I basically love every single track on here, except for Karimichi. It's a perfect album. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, of course, like I would say that most, if not all, the tracks are perfect, but some are more perfect than others. Sure. Um. Oh, and I realized when we were saying this, um, on our Chappie review, you compared that album to Orange Juice. Which I thought was ironic because that isn't even the Fishman's album that is most closely associated with orange. So, what beverage would you equate with orange? Like a mojito. A mojito. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Some sort. Of, it's. I don't know. It's more mature than chappy, but it's also. Um. I don't know. Yeah. It's minty. I guess I would say like, like the high C fruit punch that you can get at McDonald's. I like we have two very different answers for this. Because I don't know, it's like, it's definitely kind of shocking. And you're like, oh, 
but it's it's nice, but it's like a lot. I would say this album <laughs> is a mojito made by someone who's just gotten into like cocktails. Uh. Like they, they make it right, but you know that it could be made better by someone else but it's still really good i've never had a mojito before but from what i know about mojitos they look pretty good chris isn't 21 yet this is true yeah really any other thoughts on this album i think it's kind of slight there's not too much to say this is our shortest episode yet oh i guess quarterway but the fact that this isn't much longer than that that's true but this is a short album so yeah i think that is orange uh listen to it uh tell us your thoughts by emailing us your album rankings i want to see where orange shows up because i know amongst fans it seems like it might be the most popular album from the early period this king master george is kind of coming up kind of coming up but we'll see it'll be interesting um so yeah our next episode is sort of going to be a split episode we'll be talking about oh mountain the first live studio sort of album by fishman's and we'll also be going over the uh top 10 tracks and album rankings for all of our listeners and we'll be giving our own thoughts on our top 10 tracks we won't count them we won't count them into your guys's yeah they'll be different so you want to remind them where they can send yeah you can send them to fishmanspodcast at gmail.com you're gonna have until the end of the month to send these in because we're probably going to record that episode at the beginning of next month so yeah just email us there and for social media you can follow me at a giant fish at instagram um, it's not a giant fish. It's a giant fish. And for Chris, uh, my my name is still gonk.aka.mantis on Instagram. I'm also mantis with a T on Twitter. Yes. And we are Fishman's Podcast on Instagram. And you made a Twitter page for us, did you not? Uh, we talked about this last episode. It, it should be the Fishcast. The Fishcast. Yes. yes. On Twitter. Actually, so, let me confirm. Ah. Some small talk. <laughs> <laughs> And we will be the Fishcast on Twitter. This is our official Twitter page. Official. This is our official Twitter page. And, you know, hit us up. Cool. That's that. I'm excited to talk about O Mountain and really just get into, like, the latter half of Fishman's discography, which I think is what a lot of people have been waiting for. Long season, live album. Live albums. And, like, Set a Gaia trilogy. Fishman's. Fishman's. (laughs) 